Just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us and that we just thank you for your presence. We just pray that, yeah, we just desire to know you and everything you have for us. Just speak to us all now. Speak to me and lead us. Amen. Want to talk about abiding with the Lord and um, walking in His presence daily and spending time with Him. <clears throat> and so, yeah, this is something that has, when I was asking the Lord, what should I talk about, this kind of came up, and I feel like it's a life, it's a life pursuit of trying to walk with Him, be a friend of God. I remember there was a message years ago, after I came out of YWAM, I discovered Bill Johnson, and there was this just a bunch of different messages from a lot of different people that I was listening to and growing in, in that time, and some were Bill Johnson too, but there was two part series, it was called Friend of, like Walking Earth, it was called A, Fr a Friend of God, it really impacted me, um, yeah, because it was my desire, I was like, I want to be a friend of God, what does that look like? And he went and he talked about in the Bible that different people that were known as a friend of God, not everyone was known as that. Um, it's a special place in God's heart. And what I want to talk about today is how we all have, we have access that was limited before Jesus to only a select few people. We have access now to G through Jesus to be a friend of God. It's available. And that's his heart for all of us is not just functioning, and, but it's thriving in him in a place of abiding or continuing relationship and fellowship with him. And I would propose to you that I want to walk through how this was God's intention where he was abiding with himself in his three-part three, three part nature in relationship before, you know, before time began. And then when he created Adam and Eve, he would, there was a place of abiding which he designed for man and, and woman to enter into with him. And that continued with the nation Israel, and through Jesus we have access, and then it's supposed to continue on after the last day through eternity, that this is, this is something that God has created forever. So first let's talk about just the, ver um, the word abide, okay? So I'll just give you a definition, just to kind of give some grounding to that, that word that's used. <clears throat> it says, to wait for, await, as in, I will abide the coming of the Lord. That's the example that Webster's Dictionary used, which I think is interesting. <laughs> to accept without objection, I will abide your decision. To remain stable or fixed in his state, a love that abided with him all his days. That was the example, too. Um, to continue in a place, or sojourn is a word, as in, we will abide in the house of the Lord. Another definition I read was to dwell with. Okay, so you can kind of get a picture of what this means, right? <clears throat> and we'll get it in context, too, of what God, uh, of what's in the Word. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to go through quite a few verses throughout the Bible. And you probably won't have time to turn there, but you can try if you'd like. The challenge, so that's actually a good challenge. If you can keep up, then, then you're a pro. <laughs> there may be a prize. I'll leave a cliffhanger. 
<clears throat> so these are all from the New King James Version, if you're interested. All right, so first we have Adam and Eve. When, okay, so Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, okay? So I'll give you context for this. Um, God created, God said to, this isn't here, but in Genesis before this, God said, let us create man in our own image, okay? And I mentioned this, I remember now, a previous time I actually shared um, about this, let, where, where God says, let us make man in his own image. And there's several times he uses us. And this is, if you don't know this, the Bible doesn't ever say that there's a trinity. It doesn't speak specifically the word trinity, but we infer that through the fact that Jesus refers to the Father, Father refers to the Son, and then we, we know also Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. So we know that there's these three parts of God, and in the very beginning and in several other places, he says, let us make man in our own image. So God is conferring with himself in his three parts that existed before time began forever. God was, right? And he created the, the earth, and he created Adam and Eve. And so there is this, that's where I see the first state of the first, um, what's the word, instance of the idea of abiding in relationship, continuing relationship and intimacy is with God in relationship with himself. So he decided to create man and woman in his own image and likeness. And when I read that, um, I was like, did I ever see this? I, I'm sure I saw it. I didn't take note of it. It doesn't just say man in his own image. It says and likeness. And that's important. God doesn't waste words in the Bible. And so those are two different things, right? His own image is something to do with maybe how we look and operate and maybe in our will and emotions, but you know, the two are kind of hard for me to distinguish. But likeness, what struck me about what's the likeness of God, I think it's his eternal nature, the fact that God is forever, and we're created in his likeness. So we, don't, we do not die. We have a spirit that goes on, right? We can either go on in separation from God or in communion with him. That's a choice, right? But when our physical body dies, we continue just like God because we're created in his likeness. Adam and Eve, were, they were created to never die. And then sin came in the world, and that caused a natural death. But then Jesus refers to, we, we know that also there's referred to the second death, which is when people die spiritually, as in their eternal separation with God, right? And so we're created in his image and his likeness. So Genesis 3.8, <clears throat> it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so in this we have, this is after Adam and Eve decided by choice to sin and disobey God. And sin came in the world and then there was an immediate, there was immediate separation that they had. So they, they hid themselves from the presence of God. What I find significant about this verse that's always stuck out to me is this picture of God walking in the garden. Whether it's, did he have a bodily form? Like, was he like a person walking? Or was it just this kind of cloud? We don't know, but they, it was normal for them. They heard him walking, and they hid from his presence. And he recognized that and called them out, of course. And this is an interesting picture, because this is how God chose to be in the beginning. This was his design, is for us to walk with him, and as a person, walk with us. And his presence is always ever, was ever with them, I'm sure, but, but he also had an actual 
real presence, he was able to show himself to them. So this was his original design, and we know that because of sin, God had to make, there was no longer, there was a separation that happened because we cannot approach God with, with sin in our life. He's holy and perfect, and that creates a gap that cannot be bridged, that we cannot bridge in our own. But we know that God created Jesus as a plan. Jesus would be the eventual plan immediately that God put into place that would allow us to come back to approach the Father. He would take on the sin of the world and bridge the gap so that we could, we could once again have connection to God the Father, as they did in the garden, right? So on the other side of Jesus, that's what we now have. If we are in Christ, we have available to us. So before there was Jesus, God created through Abraham a covenant that he would be create a nation that was unto himself, a nation set aside that was different than the other nations that existed that were without God, a nation that was unique and special. And through Israel, this nation, he would, that's who Jesus would be born into. And then because, we have, because of what Jesus did, we, who are not part of the actual nation Israel, would have access to be part of the new, the new Israel. We're part of Israel, right? We're part of his original people, which we'll get into more. But because of what Jesus did, we are grafted. We're grafted into the vine that is the nation Israel. So I'm going to go through here. Let's look at another one, uh, another verse here. And I want you to see a progression, just kind of chronologically more or less, of God's intent to be one with us and with his people, Israel, and then later on this side of, on the other side of Jesus with us. So we have Genesis 5, 22, verse 22 through 24. It says, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all of the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So I love this verse. It's interesting because it's the only place we ever hear about Enoch, and it's one of these unique places where there's an example of God taking someone early without them dying. There's like only two people, or is it two? Tell me someone, how many are there people that didn't die? Two? Elijah? Enoch? Is there another? At least two, right? At least, at least that we know of in Scripture, right? There's some other ones that may be inferred, but we won't get into that. So we have, um, what was interesting when I read this is, if you look at the rest, you know, the rest of the chapter before that, um, it's the genealogies, one of those genealogies chapters. Adam had, had this son, and then he lived this many years, and so on and so forth, right? And it's pretty clear on that, pretty standard progression. And then you get to Enoch, and it says, and Enoch walked with God. It doesn't say he lived this many years. It was different. It was break, a break of the pattern. And so something to me is significant about him, the fact that he walked so early on, he was able to walk with God, and so there was a special relationship to the point where God's like, I'm making an exception with this one. So I feel like Enoch is prophetic, uh, one of the first prophetic pictures that we have of what would be available to us later with this connection of walking with friendship with God. We see that there's these rare instances, right? Abraham was known as a friend of God, and then there's Moses, there's, and then there's the prophets, people who were able to talk and know God one-on-one. -on -one. There's these rare instances. King David was like that. King David was a prophetic picture of Jesus. And then later we have Jesus as the example who walked with God 
And he said, I and the Father are one. And he was able to be in complete relationship and do what the Father said to do. And we'll get to the verse that talks about that too. But, um, and then, then there's us on the other side. We have access to walk with God like Enoch did. It's not reserved for special few. All right, I want to look at Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21. Okay, so the context of this is the nation of Israel was set free from slavery in Egypt. And God, after 400 years, they were in slavery with Egypt, and God set his people free through Moses, through the the different plagues that he brought on the nation of uh, Egypt. He set his people free, and he led them through the desert with God's actual presence leading them as a cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. So God himself led Israel. And so they're camped before, I believe it was Mount Sinai, and Moses was going to go up to the mountain where God was, okay? That's the context of this, because Moses would speak to God as a prophet and then speak to the people, right? It says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, if you, uh, you speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. <clears throat> yeah, do you feel the impact of that? There's something about this to me. Um, there's a lot here, I feel like. But Moses, Moses had a special connection. Remember, if we, if we, what else do we know about Moses? Well, he turned aside when he saw a bush burning and went to see, and that's where God met him. And also we know Moses was, he experienced the raw power and mightiness of God, and I think he had a reverent understanding of who God was and but he was bold enough to know he saw something in God, this goodness and this love, that to the point where he was bold enough to ask God, let me see, can you see, let me, your goodness, can I see your glory or your presence? And God let his presence pass before Moses. He said, if I show you my face, you will die. So God let his goodness and his backside pass before Moses. So I feel like in this, there is kind of a hidden invitation that God wanted his people to pursue him but this is the first instance I see where they say there's kind of a rejection in their hearts of, no, we want you to speak to us, Moses, through God, but don't let God speak to us face to face. They weren't able to get past the fear of the Lord. There's a healthy reverence and fear when we see the rawness of God and who he really is. And he wants us to pursue, I feel like he pursues us and he wants us to enter into, to know the fullness of who he is, the fullness of all of him, not just one piece. And he wanted Israel, he, Moses was capable of going in, um, but Israel was afraid. And we'll get to another example of this. But I'm going to read through now a progression of verses that are chronological, that are, I'm not going to give context for all of them. I'm just going to read them kind of back to back. But they're just different examples in the, in the, in the Bible of God wanting to dwell with, walk with, and for Israel to be his people, Okay. And I just want to, there's, actually, when I looked into this, there was at least 43 different instances of this where 
various ways God said this. So it's, it's, very, it's a very strong trend, um, and there, there's, a, there's more than that. But all right, so Genesis 17, 7 through 8. He says, I will establish my covenant. This is with Abraham, by the way, he's speaking to. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Of course, we know that a covenant is, it's, a, it's an agreement. Exodus 29, 45. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. Leviticus 26, 12, I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Leviticus 26, 45, but I will remember them, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. Numbers 15, 41, I am the Lord your God who brought you out, of, out from the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And then we have Deuteronomy 23, 14. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. I found this one interesting because it's this picture again of God walking in the midst of their camp. And there was instructions around this verse to, you know, about cleanliness and things. And, yeah, so walking in the midst of their camp, there we see that, that picture again. All right, so let's look at, yeah, let's look at a few more. Jeremiah 32, 38, I shall be my, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel 14, 11. In order that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressions, thus they will be my people and I shall be their God, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place also will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel 34, 31. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pastor, you are men and I am your God, declares the Lord God. That one was interesting because he mentions that my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, he's talking about Israel, that they're his sheep. And we'll see later, Jesus also tells, says that we're his sheep. So you see this, how Jesus is connecting us to his sheep, just like originally Israel. So this thread, again, that goes all the way through the Bible. Then we have Joel 2.27. Thus, you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other and my people will never be put to shame. And then we have New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. This is Paul talking, and he's quoting, um, it's like a combination of Isaiah and 2 Samuel. He says, Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then we have also New Testament, we have Hebrews 8.10. This is quoting directly from Jeremiah 31.31. 31. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I shall be their God and they shall be my people. 
guys kind of getting it? I could read like 20 more of these, but it's just interesting over and over. God is very, very clear that I want them to be my people and for them to know me and for me to walk with them. They're special, they're unique, they're set aside, okay? So if we go to Sam, 1 Samuel 4, chapter 4, verse 8, I want to read this. All right, this is not necessarily chronological now. This is going back to the time when Israel has not yet had a king, all right? And God has been kind of leading them, and then there's a season of judges, and they haven't had a king yet. That's, That's where we're at, okay? It says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt." Even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. So Samuel was the prophet of God. God spoke to him, and he would speak to Israel, okay? And so the, the elders, which represented all the tribes of Israel, so they represented the nation of Israel, they said, you're about to die, basically. You're old, and you're, we don't want you to, your sons don't walk with you anyway. We don't want a replacement. We just want a king like the other nations have. And God made it very clear, um, many of the verses I read to you happened before this, but God made it very clear, I've set you aside, I've set you, you're unique, you're special, you know, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, I want to be your God and you to be my people. And they, they basically, God has identified to Samuel, they've rejected me, it's nothing to do with you. They want a king like all the other nations, like, we want to be like other people. So... They're putting God at arm's length. We don't want all that you have for us. But God didn't reject them because God continued to be faithful to Israel. He kept his covenant with them even though they rejected him. This would open the door for us to be grafted in through Jesus. Because ultimately, you know, with Jesus, we have, he was rejected by Israel. He was rejected by, you know, the leadership that was recognized in the time of Israel. They rejected him, but we, the Gentiles, if you're not Jewish, right, we, we get to be grafted in, as I said before, um, because of what Jesus did, all right? So let's talk, about, let's talk about Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we know that no one can connect to Father God except through the person of Jesus, except recognizing his death and resurrection on the cross, recognizing that he died for our sins and that it bridged the gap so that we, in confessing our sins and recognizing what he did and believing in him, we can enter into relationship with him and through him to the Father. All right? And also, when Jesus was here in in person, because he's fully God and fully man, He is actually, Jesus the Son existed in eternity past, right, before before anything was created. But he became the person, the man Jesus, 
to die on the cross for us, right? And then so when he left to go to heaven, he said, it's an, I, I must go so that I can leave the, whole, the comforter with you. So we, we know that the church, the early church, everyone, which is everyone who's a believer in Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit, which is, so when we, when we connect to God and we, we pray and we talk, we're, and he leads us, it's the Holy Spirit who's doing that. And that's what gives us connection to Jesus, the Son, and the Father. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so let's look at another verse, John 15, uh, verses 1 through 17. It says, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will take away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So, will you, be, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We see here this connection between us in connection with the vine, who is the Father, through Jesus. And, that, and the vine is life. If we're disconnected from the vine, we wither, right? So there's life. In Jesus, we know that we have life and life abundantly, and so we can bear much fruit. This word abide is present here. It's this connection and intimacy, walking with God, walking with him in his presence, connected to him, keeping his commandments, all in, in that we bear much fruit. And I would say that, you know, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, we're not always, you know, walking in that reality, right? We're, we know that, but things can be difficult and we can be struggling under the circumstances around us. And I believe it's an invitation to come, deep, come closer, to invite us in deeper to Him, in a place of abiding, in a place of walking, even if we don't understand. And out of that place, that's where the peace that passes all understanding can enter into us and our circumstance and we can rise above them, even if they don't change. And we can come to a place where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's available. <clears throat> All right, so now John 17, 20 through 21. This is with Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for you, or also for those who will believe in me through, believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. There's kind of a lot of things, so let me, let me unpack that a little bit. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. 
He said, I do not pray for these alone. His disciples were present. He was talking about them. I don't pray for them alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. So the 12 disciples were the apostles, and from then the gospel of Jesus spread into all the, the, all the earth. So if, we, if you are in Christ, then you believe in me because of their word. So we're them, right? <clears throat> so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that we may be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. <clears throat> that they also may be one in us. So, it's, yeah, that they may, may be one. So also that we may be one with each other, just as Jesus is with the Father, right? That the world may believe that you sent me. So this is a testimony to the world, the, those who don't know about Jesus, um, when we have oneness with each other and with the Father, okay? What I thought was interesting is that I never thought about before is remember we mentioned the God three, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit that existed before time began and um, he's in relationship with the self. Well, now we have this picture of us, us personally, think of you yourself in relationship with God three in one, and then connected to the body of Christ. There's this three-directional connection again. Us, God, and the church. Before it was God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I just think there's probably some more to that, but I thought that was interesting. This three-way connection that he has of oneness. How do you know, how, how, do, how, how, do, how many of you know that this is a spirit thing? This is our, uh, the spirit that's when, within us. We're all created with a with the spirit man or spirit woman, right? That's the eternal side of us. Um, that's what can commune and, and connect to God, and that's what, that's what this oneness comes from. It affects our mind, will, and emotions, which is our soul, but it comes first to our spirit, and then, it, and then our body and our mind, our actual thinking, and our emotions and these things, they, they follow after, right? So first spirit, and then it changes the other side. <clears throat> Okay, remember we talked about Jesus, or Ezekiel, back in Ezekiel about his sheep. So we have John, Israel being a sheep, we have John uh, 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them, given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. All right, I'm going to read just a little more, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. This is the love chapter, as they call it. It says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am also known. And now faith, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. 
So love never fails. <clears throat> we see this thread of love. That's the foundation of who God is. He is love. He create, from love, he created Adam and Eve and mankind to be in relationship with them. From love, he sent Jesus. For love, he you know, created the nation of Israel. And because of love, we can enter in. And that's the foundation of everything. So prophecies, tongues, knowledge, and other spiritual gifts, these will vanish away. Because those things are for us now as we are on this side of eternity for the upbuilding and encouragement of the church and for reaching their tools to reach the lost, to the world to transform the world around us so we can bring the gospel of the kingdom, right? But after Jesus comes back the last day, after sin and Satan is dealt with, there is no more need for those things, but love remains. It goes, it's dot, 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 continuing. We remain and we, we will be present and abiding with the Lord, with God, and with each other from eternity, and love will remain. So when this says, we see through a mirror dimly, and we know in part, and it talks about this being like a child, thinking like a child, then becoming a man and putting away childish things. I believe it's, we are, in part, we see only in part the love that he has and who we are, because we, we, are, we only have a partial understanding but on the other side of eternity, we will know who we are fully and we will know who he is fully, even as we are fully known by him. We will no longer see through a mirror dimly. It will be like also an adult recognizing and just things becoming clear that when you're a child, they're a mystery. You can only understand part of it. So I think this is an eternal, pic it's part of that's an eternal picture of the nature of God and how we fit into that. In Isaiah 66, 22, it says, it mentions this, the new heavens and the new earth. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name be. So God will make these new heavens and new earth, and they will remain before him. And us, and our descendants, that is, us who believe in Christ, will remain with him forever. So I just wanted to draw that, that connection yeah, I'll just share something that uh, something I, I connect with personally that that I'll share. But when I'm sp when I'm spending time with God, sometimes He play takes me to this. I imagine I think about space, you know, the universe, stars, the cosmos, whatever words you want to use for that. And um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's I connect to God through that. And what's interesting about that is, you know, we only have a, a small glimpse of what's available in the universe. We can only, even though we have amazing telescopes now that can see deeper and farther and clearer than ever before, we just have a small fraction of, all we can see is what's out there, small fraction of what's viewable. And even with that, we can't get to any of those places. We have no power to do that. We can't really understand what it's like and we can't even quantify these things in our natural mind, but they're there, and there's much more that we can't see, that we won't see um, beyond that. Like the observable universe is what we can see with our telescopes, but beyond that is anyone's guess. It's infinite for all we know, and I feel that this is, why would God create something like that, that we can't possibly get all of that? 
And that's just one thing, because you can look at things in the earth that are the same way in a different direction. They can't. It's the infinite nature of God. He's showing through creation about himself that you can never see all of him. You can never... That verse comes to mind, the train of his robe fills the temple. It just filled, the glory of him just fills it up, all of it. Just, just the train, just the backside of his clothes, you know, fills up the entire temple. And so the, there's the nature of God which passes from before time that goes on, and it's just infinite, and it's because the creation itself is inferior to the creator. He's just giving us a picture of who he is in his vastness. <clears throat> he says in Revelation 26, 7, and he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Yeah, I just want to encourage us to cast aside, just to have the courage to cast aside all the things which hinder us and hold us back from the greater purpose that he has. His desire, yeah, just, his desire is for us to know him to truly know him as he, as he knows us. And in that, we will find who we are. We will know who we are when we connect with him. But it's also not an isolation. We have to connect to each other, and we see parts of God in each other. When we connect and we encourage each other, he's created it that way. We have to be one with each other, even as we are with him. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray. Just, Lord, we just ask that you would shine your face upon us. Help us to see your glory and who you are. We just choose to lay aside all the things which hold us back. Let us be like Mary and sit at your feet and choose what is better, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Rather than be busy with many things, we want to choose what is good, the good part. We just thank you that nothing is lost that when we make room for you, you make room for us. Everything is set in proper alignment. Help us all to find, I just pray for everyone here, that they would find where they belong and where they fit into your body, into your church, and into you. Give us the courage to cast aside and lay down the things that, that keep us from spending time with you. Help us to understand in wisdom to understand your word, the Bible, and to walk with that and with your Holy Spirit for you to guide us in understanding. I just pray for the fire of the Lord to come down. Your presence to fill our hearts. There's a special, I feel like there is I really felt like this is, there's a grace to enter in and abide with him. There's a grace for that. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life, in your calendar years of your life, or in your walk as a Christian. It doesn't matter. There's a grace to play catch up and to walk with him and abide now and to jump into the deep end of his presence and connection and for you to find yourself and your calling and who you are in him through that. And also we're made 
to thrive in him. We're made to be connected to him, not just for doing, for calling, for this or that, but this is how he created us to be fully satisfied and to be fully alive is in connection to him as a vine, as a branch would be connected to the source of a vine. We just pray for hope to rise and to fill up everyone. We just thank you that joy is our inheritance, that there is a place of joy that passes all circumstance and peace that passes all understanding. I just pray for that peace over everyone here that would fall upon everyone. In whatever circumstances that just pop up above people's heads, I just imagine these, just the things like, oh, there's all this going on, all this, just the thoughts that are above. We just recognize them, that they're valid, God. We just surrender them at your feet. We lay them before you. We thank you that your peace will come upon us, and we are able to walk in strength through that. We thank you that your strength, that you are perfected in our weakness. Let us not try to be strong in front of you. We, we, just, we just choose to be weak in front of you, God. Choose to be ourselves in, in front of you, that you can strengthen and lift us up to the purpose and calling you have for such a time as this in our lives. We just call out right now that everyone here is called to such a time as this. You're not, no one's here for accident. God chose, he knew you before the foundation of the earth. He saw you knit you together in your mother's womb. You were chosen at such a time as this. He knew when you would be born, how you would be born, the world you would be born into before it happened. He's put everything in place that's needed to bring you to where you need to be. He's really good at redeeming lost years, lost time, lost things. He'll redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. That's a, that I kept hearing that. We just thank you that you also give us beauty for ashes, that you're really good at healing. You're really good at healing our hearts. I just pray for healing of hearts right now. Just call out that the pain and the baggage, the wounds that are there, the abuses that have happened in your life, God sees and he's saying, I will heal that. I can take that from you. If you'll choose to give it to him, he'll make a way. He'll make a way for it. And if you don't know Jesus, now's the time to come in. Now's the time. Now's the time to know him. Can I invite the ministry team up here? Yeah, I just pray your peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds in, in you, Jesus. Just fill us up with your love. We thank you for your goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our life. And thank you for everyone here, that you brought everyone here. Everyone's here for a reason. And just thank you for each life represented today. You know each of their circumstances. We just pray for a grace to step into you, God. And to, we just pray for a hunger to know you and to pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen.